we all know that schedule for states reopening is very fluid. Since a big part of our business concerns trade shows, it's understandable that there are a lot of questions surrounding KBiz, which is scheduled for February 9th to 11th in Orlando. We don't have all the answers, but we are proud to say that we are teamed with the best partners in the business, our panel today. In a few moments, we'll have a transparent conversation about some of the behind the scenes planning, precautions, adjustments, and contingencies in play as we discuss the future of trade shows and events. Now there's a lot of time between today and February, nine months actually, and no one has a crystal ball. So please understand that today's session is to share what our team of experts has been working on as with our lives in COVID, all of this will evolve as we move closer to February and KBiz 2021. And we want you to know that we are collaborating closely with the International Builder Show. We have a very strong partnership with NAHB and they are also working very, very hard to prepare for Design and Construction Week 2021. Today's conversation, however, is solely focused on KBIS. We wanna emphasize that all the options for optimizing the health and safety of our exhibitors and attendees and maximizing the live event experience is our focus. Our panelists will be producing or hosting shows and events well before KBIS 2021, which is tremendously valuable for the NKBA as they learn firsthand from those experiences. We won't have every answer today, but we are here to listen, and we want you to know that the NKBA and our partners are making additional investments to support and enhance KBIS 2021. This week's guests are Brian Pagel, Executive Vice President of our longtime partner, Emerald, which produces KBIS on behalf of the NKBA. They produce over 140 events in North America. Bob Priest-Heck, the CEO of Freeman, the world's leading live event and brand experience company. They help clients design and deliver immersive live experiences for their most important audiences. Emerald is their customer and Freeman has a long history of supporting the production of KBIS. And Mark Tester, Executive Director of the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida, our KBIS host in 2021 and 2022. Mark's having some technical difficulties at the moment, so we're going to have him uh, answer some questions by phone. Just a little housekeeping before we begin. As always, this online forum qualifies for one-half CEU credit for our certified members. And while these brave new business forums usually are about 30 minutes because of the scope of our discussion today, today's session might go a little bit longer. So please stay with us as long as you can. We're making time for questions at the end. So please type those in the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen, not the chat, please. So we have a lot to cover. So let's get started. If Mark can hear us, we begin with you. Uh, I know you're working closely with the state and local authorities in Florida. What is the latest from the state of Florida and Orange County regarding large event gatherings and conventions? Thanks, Bill, and uh, greetings from uh, Senor Orlando. We, we, Orange County reacted really quickly to the pandemic and, and we issued a stay at home order along with a 11 p to 5 a.m. curfew, which actually began on March 25th. A statewide uh, at home order was issued by the governor which began on April the 2nd. In addition, uh, the Orange County Convention Center partnered with the National Guard and the Florida Department of Health to provide a remote parking lot as a drive-through COVID-19 testing site. The site, which opened on March 25th, originally offered up to 250 tests a day, 
um, with restrictions to first responders and individuals over 65 with symptoms. Soon after, um, we went up to 750 tests a day, and as of week, and as of last week, we also began giving antibody tests, which detect whether you had the virus at some point and remain asymptomatic, which is many people now realize is somewhat common with the coronavirus. Currently, the county is testing about approximately 1,200 Central Florida residents each day, and we've done almost 40,000 total tests. We believe these two measures have really helped us keep the cases um, relatively low for a destination of our size, and we really began to see the number of positive cases begin to flatten in the later part of April. On May 4th, um, we began phase one of the state of Florida's safe, smart, step-by-step program. And certain businesses that were not previously deemed essential were allowed to reopen with specific restrictions. As it relates to Orange County, so far so good. Uh, the number continues to flatten. I actually sit on our mayor, Mayor Deming's executive policy group, and we've done daily conference calls since mid-March. The executive policy group includes both internal and external partners, including the Florida Department of Health, and it has allowed us to stay really stay on top of what is occurring here in Central Florida and provide daily communication to our customers. We've had a number of events that have been rescheduled in the coming months, with the majority going to the fall and the winter. Um, when, the, when the first event is truly confirmed, we'll be contingent on what happens with the next couple weeks and the announcement of the governor's phase two plan for Florida. We're hopeful that the phase two will be announced within the next week or so. As a, um, a gold key partner with Universal, what are you, are you hearing about the theme parks and attractions part of that as well? Well, some good news, the Universal Orlando Resort reopened their city walk facility today. Actually, the Florida Department of Health revisited uh, City Walk earlier this week and provided the seal of approval. Disney's will be open next week on May 20th. City Walk and Disney Springs are, are retail and dining extensions of their theme parks. Um, the theme parks haven't announced uh, an exact opening date as of yet. Okay. How about, um, uh, we heard you uh, have some, break, some breaking news over the past 24 hours that you're going to be, um, you know, you wanted to share today about uh, the governor's lifting restrictions? Sure. First, um, we've committed to be part of the Global Biorisk Advisory Council GBAC STAR accreditation program. Any of you may have heard of this. Uh, it's a division of the International Sanitary Supply Association, which is the Worldwide Cleaning Association. The GDAC STAR accreditation is the gold standard that state may use and will provide us a third-party validation to ensure we're implementing all rigorous protocols uh, in, in response to this current situation and future uh, opportunities um, that present itself. Um, it, the, the STAR accreditation will include increased sanitation measures, make certain recommendations as masks, wider aisles, and other physical distancing measures, and as things change uh, in our world, uh, the accreditation will also change with it. Um, we're also one of the largest venues in the nation to pursue the, the GVAC STAR accreditation. Uh, and we're really excited uh, and committed to providing a, a safe and, and uh, clean environment for our uh, attendees. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, that's great for those that 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, secondly, um, we've uh, implemented uh, our our center's internal recovery and resiliency guidelines. It's actually a three-step, uh, part of the three-step process. Um, we've done this internally by our, by our employees. Um, it will include things such as um, uh, physical distancing, uh, keeping six feet six feet six feet apart in lines, using elevators and and masks and other things. <laughs> Cleaning messages, um, uh, cleaning measures. Uh, we'll be adding wall clings, floor stickers, and uh, in, in high areas and around bus areas to make sure that everyone is is practicing physical distancing. In addition, we'll be adding a number of hand sanitizer dispensers all around the facility, especially around those high touch areas. And last, and this is really you know exciting and relatively new and, and being developed. Um, we're partnering with large established healthcare systems in Central Florida. Um, they've actually pursued us to see how they can assist to get our important tourism industry back up and running. Um, they're, they're developing a series of marketing initiatives, uh, materials, videos, and other things that events can utilize um, to help them prepare and, sh and share best practices. Uh, they've offered to do uh, calls directly with customers to help them prepare, prepare a customized health plan. And last, they've actually offered to, to have on-site presence during events to help provide temperature checks, advanced screening for those who might have symptoms like a temperature, and on consultations on next steps where to go to get additional care. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of great information. Thank you for sharing that. Um, going to Bob for a minute. Um, can you tell us about the Go Live Together Coalition launched to protect the trade show and live events industry? Yeah, Bill. Thank you, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, we we launched a coalition a few weeks ago called Go Live Together, and the coalition began with about eighty-four member companies that were all really focused on how do we create a safe environment for uh, events and the the membership has already uh, grown to about 2,000 uh, representative businesses and we've got every aspect of the business covered so um, basically every every type of company that supports events and we're really bound together by this belief that uh, the world cannot really replace the value proposition of live events and that events are really critical but we want to make sure first and foremost that everything we do around events and trade shows uh, is safe and that once the stay at home orders are lifted in, in, in uh, states and localities that we follow some, some really stringent safety guidelines and we adhere to the best medically backed scientific practices for protecting our workers as well as our guests. So we're also uh, aligned with Mark on the GBAC standards and we wanna make sure that we also raise awareness with government officials so that they understand the true impact uh, of an event like KBiz on the local economy and basically the, the um, economy in general. And then lastly, we've been seeking support with um, legislation to help rebuild uh, the industry in ways that serve to accelerate the economy by offering incentives to companies and attendees who are participating in events. It's great. Um, obviously there are, um, there are 
there obviously there are concerns with um, concerts and sporting events. Um, being a big sports fan myself, it's just you, you start to imagine how is how does this happen going forward. Can you talk about how the trade show environment is different from those type of events, and what are some of the things being considered to control the convention environment? For instance, uh, do attendees register by the day, or are there limits to the numbers of people permitted in the building? You know that type of thing. Yeah, um, I think it's a, a really good distinction, Bill, because. Um, I think uh, people think of all gatherings as the same. And one thing that's really nice about business events uh, is that we actually can design them uh, based on the outcome that we're trying to achieve. So we don't have a fixed seating plan. We, don't, we, we just have a lot of flexibility with these convention spaces. So what we're working on right now is working with our clients like Emerald and many others on how we design the show. And that really starts all the way back with marketing how we handle uh, things like registration, how do we apply social distancing, how do we take the GBAC certification and apply it to uh, cleanliness and enhanced cleaning. And so what we're, really, what we're really talking about here is a controlled environment because we have a lot of, of control over how we register people, flow them into the building, design the exhibits, design the overall show floor, design all the public spaces, design all the food. So, um, we have a lot of flexibility, so we can pay close attention to uh, the CDC and, and state and local guidelines when we're designing these events, uh, working really closely with our facility partner, and, um, and really have a controlled environment. That's great. Um, the, this virtual word is, is common buzzword right now, right? There's been a lot of discussion yeah. about virtual shows. What are your thoughts on the role of virtual experiences in, in the trade show industry? Yeah, I think what we're what we're seeing right now is a lot of folks trying to do virtual events, and what they're uh, largely doing is, is basically trying to switch mediums. So they're trying to come out of a traditional uh, physical medium and go online. Um, and I'd say that, to be honest, there's mixed mixed review with that. Um, but what I think is for certain is that live. Uh, will include live streaming and virtual as much as it includes the physical event going forward. So it's here to stay. It is a different medium. We are programming hundreds and hundreds of digital uh, experiences for our, our customers. And um, the, the real primary uh, need there is around content and how you manage content and how you produce content in a, in a new medium. Uh, and the, the digital platform or or um, kind of live streaming environment actually can really help you uh, amplify your event. Uh, so we're in a little bit of an unprecedented time where they're, they're feeling a little bit like replacement components when I think the real opportunity is to have them enhance and augment the event. I think there are things that may never come back to the physical event, but um, can be covered online, but there are there are many, many things that you cannot do online that we can do in a physical environment. So, especially in your industry, it's, 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 yeah, uh, no it's doubt. so, so I think we're, we're going to see digital or virtual stay, but uh, once we get past the short term period, we'll start to see it, I think much more um, thoughtfully integrated into uh, the platform overall, not trying to click in and replace. You talked a little bit about, obviously, standards for the industry. Uh, can you talk about anything that you're doing to counsel your clients, you know, like Emerald and others that you work with, so many events that you have to create safe environments? Yeah. 
Um, well, first and first and foremost, uh, obviously, we don't want to do things that aren't safe. So, you know, we all feel the economic pressure of of you know COVID nineteen, but we want to make sure we always start with what we need to do to keep our our employees safe and and all of our customers safe. But we have um, we have uh, on Go Live uh, together. So let's just go live together .com. You'll see that we've started posting different. Uh, guidelines and standards around safety. Freeman will be posting ours next week um, in detail. But what we're again, what we're often thinking about is, you know, how do we register people? How do we best market the event? Um, should people all be coming in at once, or should we be stage gating people? <laughs> will we use technology to zone uh, different areas of the show? And so th these are the types of things that we're talking to our clients about. They're, they're really really interesting and I think Brian will cover this later but they're they're really design challenges in a way because we can design for an outcome uh, that is highly uh, improved from a safety standpoint um, but we have to start all the way back at you know how do we market register build the logistics basically go through every element of the event to make sure that they're safe and practical well, thanks, Bob. That's that's great insight, um, Brian. Um, Emerald, as as some may may not know, one of the largest trade show producers in the U.S., connecting nearly two million people across more than 140 shows and events. And we've been proud to partner with you and the Emerald team for many many years. Uh, can you tell us about Emerald's Register with Confidence plan and your on-site health and safety measures? Yeah, absolutely. First, um, thanks for having me, Bill. You know, I think it's a, a great conversation to have. And you know, they, we just threw up a graphic because I think that the biggest takeaway that, that we want to articulate here is that you know, before we can get into the strategy of the show and actually how we're going to execute on it, everything is going to start and stop with health and safety. So all of the rich data and insights that we got out of our survey research coming out of last year, we're still very much committed to, to following through on trends and opportunities that we saw. But foundationally, everything has to start and stop with, with health and safety. But I think before we get into the specifics of what we're doing to address KBiz, which is an important conversation, I think it, it, we've got to understand and, and acknowledge that this un, unanticipated disruption from COVID-19 has had a huge impact on trade shows and the hospitality industry in general. You know, it, it's forced us to have to rethink how we conduct our business. And, you know, while we don't have all of the answers today, uh, I want to make sure everyone's clear. We've got some of the best and brightest minds in the event and hospitality space really charging forward and looking to address this issue head on. You know, just to add another layer of perspective, I ran a small medical show, safely I might add, in uh, Las Vegas the first week of March. And, you know, that was the last show that Emerald has staged. And so over the period of the last nine weeks, we've had to go back and, and literally reimagine our business as I know other organizers have, I know Freeman has, I know Orlando has. And it's, it's really out of an interest to, to you know, focus on the safety and well-being of our markets, our staff, our guests. It's absolutely paramount. So as we progress forward, we think we have the, the framework of what's the optimal plan. And, and as we get more insights from the destinations, we'll be able to, to offer up additional detail. But you know, I think the important thing here is that you know, we are working towards a, a, a process that is scalable based on what's happening in the ground. Because what's happening today may not necessarily be the same challenges we're faced with 
uh, in February. They may be completely different challenges, but we do know maintaining some degree of social distance and, and, and uh, health and safety is going to be of the highest importance. So, so when... So I'm sorry. Again, it's it's early yet, obviously, as we keep saying, and we want to remind everybody that it, you know nine months away for our show. Um, but can you can you share anything you're thinking about related to show policies um, that Absolutely. you're kind of working through? Yeah. So you know, obviously, we put together the register uh, with confidence program, which really gives all of our attendees in the community at large some very specific information that they can pay attention to heading into the event. So there's uh, some basic COVID-19 information we put out there for the markets, and that's going to be everything from what our policies and procedures are in general, but it's also helpful information on the CARES Act. And, you know, I mean, you gotta remember Emerald by and large and the NKBA population by and large is predicated on small independent businesses. So there's a lot of very significant uh, issues that, that your members are navigating, and so we're trying to put resources out there. But then we also wanna get into what's happening from a travel perspective. You know, how are hotels addressing the check-in process and, and addressing their own, um, their own cleaning protocols? You know, what's happening at the airport? Uh, what are airline processes and procedures? And giving insights and information on travel restrictions, potentially domestic and abroad. Um, we're getting into information on a local level, what's happening with Uber and Lyft, or even restaurant and retail considerations. And then, of course, there's the, uh, the building aspect of all of this. And you know, we're fortunate to be partnering with uh, Orlando, who's, who's, you know, very much on the leading edge with, with many of these issues. So we're going to be able to, in a very meaningful way, show what those uh, safety and health precautions are, which will also include things like how we're dealing with food and beverage on site. Um, you know, that's, a, that's another big area of concern that, that I think uh, the trade show community has. And I think that there are some great plans in place. But all this ultimately trickles down into a preparedness plan. And that plan is going to uh, you know, uh, entail a number of FAQs that will be updated on a real-time basis, and it will be communicating frequently, but it's really going to focus on what we're doing. And, and I think the approach that we've taken is how can we control the experience knowing that I don't have guidance on a local and state level yet, because this is truly happening on a local and state level. The way that we're going to have to work in Vegas is going to be different than Orlando, than New York. And so we have to take those into consideration. And that's gonna include everything like registration. Uh, we already have a plan in play that we're rolling out for CEDIA and we're gonna see how that works and if it could apply for, for KBIS. And that is, we're going badgeless registration. We're gonna cut down our counters by probably 90% and we're gonna focus on touchless transactions to limit that social gathering because that's really the first big uh, pinch point you're gonna have at, at virtually any show. Um, we're focused on how do we help to rethink how we lay out meeting rooms and special events to uh, accommodate for social distancing. And then, of course, there's the show floor. Um, where we can, we're adding in uh, wider aisles. We're looking at how do we you know, manage entrance units differently to disperse traffic. And you know, we might even go and pull one out of retail and, and decide to go with one-way aisles to manage the flow of traffic better and promote social distancing. And then there are other items that we still continue to work through like transportation, ensuring that the buses that take our attendees to the convention center from the hotels, what is their cleaning protocol and how do we ensure that safety? And then I know the big question that a lot of our exhibitors are on this call is, is what kind of guidelines and guidance can we give them in terms of trying to help to address this? Because it's not just the building or Freeman or show management, but to a large degree, our exhibitors are going to have to be a part of, uh, of rethinking how we engage that those attendees. And 
to what degree do you have a dedicated entrance or exit point? Who's managing those? How are you looking at it potentially as an opportunity to create a curated experience for your guests? And so it's, it's really just taking a step back and again, thinking, at, uh, thinking of it from a common sense approach. And then, you know, we're actively looking at uh, masks, for example. Uh, to what degree can we help to add that additional layer of safety and security for our audience? And so this is all you know, moving quickly, but the one thing that's important relative to KBiz is that you know, KBiz is going to benefit from a lot of shows from an emerald perspective that will happen prior to February. And I think we're going to learn a lot along the way, and we'll be able to continue to enhance and involve those protocols to make sure that we have the safest possible environment. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we're going to still solicit feedback. We're talking to our partners, but I, I'm very confident we're going to get there. I, I think, yeah, one of the biggest things NKBA benefits from is the partners like you and Bob and Mark here that are staging a lot of events, you know, before we get to February. So we look forward to learning and along with you and understanding what, uh, how KBiz will benefit from that. So thank you for, for, for talking about those things. Um, Bob talked a little bit about um, the virtual potential for virtual enhancement uh, in, in the trade show environment. What are you thinking about uh, were some virtual options to support our live event at KBiz? Absolutely. Well, you know, and I think Bob has hit this uh, spot on. Really, a virtual event is, is going to be a, a companion to the physical event. Um, it, it's by no means a substitute. You know, I really like to equate it to you want to go see your, your, uh, your, one of your favorite bands in concert. That live experience is going to be radically different than watching them on TV or on YouTube or whatever. You know, it, because it brings in emotions, it brings in feelings, it brings in connections, and those shared emotions are a big part of what make that live experience so unique. So I, I think, you know, the live or the, the digital events are here to stay, but I look at it as how does it augment and, and enhance the, the physical event. There will be live components uh, within that, but there will also be some non-live components. And really the, the opportunity there is how do we expand that experience for buyer and seller to engage in different unique ways? How do we help brands that are investing a significant amount of money to use that platform, give them an opportunity to expand that, that investment, bring product to market and engage with, with the audience? And then from an attendance perspective, and, and you know, all of us that have been in the show business long enough know, you get calls continually after the show saying, hey, I saw a product, uh, can you help me find it? And they can't remember who it was around, the name of the company or anything like that. So it's literally looking for a needle in a haystack. And this is just yet another resource that we're putting out there for our audience to, to try and seek out products and services that are important to them. So I look at it as enhancing the event, not necessarily taking the place of it. It's just another tool. You talked, um, one last question, and I'll go back to Mark for a minute, but uh, you talked about hotels a little bit as far as working with them. I know that's the first thing we as in attendees or even event producers do is, you know, you book your room for your hotel and you start looking at that as the thing you need to do in advance. So uh, does Emerald have any, um, uh, is negotiating with hotels as far as contingency plans, things like that, that we want to share at this point? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, Emerald, we partner with OnPeak and together, uh, I think at one point we were 4 million room nights a year is what in aggregate we do. Uh, we work very well with all the, the major hotel chains and our partners specific, uh, specifically in Orlando. And, you know, there are other Emerald events to go there. We do have policies in place where there's a set anywhere between a 48 and 72 hour cancellation with no penalty. 
So the fear of uh, I'm, I'm going to get hit with so many room nights or a cancellation fee shouldn't be there. We really want to have people uh, go ahead and move forward as they would. And, and let's continue to see the evolution of, of what's happening on the ground. And you have plenty of time to make educated, informed decisions. Thank, thanks, Brian. So again, Mark's with us, uh, Executive Director of the Orange County Convention Center. And I think he's on video again uh, with us. So thanks, Mark. Glad you got that worked out. Um, regarding the common areas of the Convention Center, what steps are being taken to ensure health, safety, social distancing, and food service, concessions, things like that? Okay, thank you. I'm sorry about the, my technical difficulties. Um, as it relates to the common areas, uh, a lot of it is coming in, in the evening when we're doing our pre-cleaning and, and part of our GBAC uh, accreditation. Uh, we're actually partnering with a, with a local uh, Orlando-based company called Violent Defense. And we've, we've, we've purchased machines that actually clean areas with UVA, UVI lights. The ultraviolet lights and so we're going to an area and a week and a half hour time so we're going to be utilizing in those in those common areas the open areas office spaces and other things like that are in and around the show and as it relates to our food provider we're going to be spreading those out like center plate is our food provider and we're working to develop a, a whole bunch of prepackaged meals that are delicious and up to our standards that, that people can enjoy but yet are are prepackaged prior to uh, uh to them getting in line and of course um making sure that everyone is, is, is lining up and social distancing and, 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 and staying, staying apart as they uh, get, in, get in line to get their food. Speaking of lining up, one, one last question before we, I uh, think we'll go to the Q&A to, to see what we can uh, ask there from our audience. Uh, about the bus lines, how, how are you, you dealing with that or planning for that? Well, luckily yeah, so. we have a huge campus and so we really have a large area to make sure that the buses spread out and stay apart. Great. Leanne, um, can you check the Q&A and see, I, I see a, there's over 100 questions in there, so I know you have to work through quite a few. Um, can you give us a couple questions for, for the panel? Yes, I can. Um, a couple questions for Brian Pagel. Will you be considering wider aisles through floor show to reduce congestion, larger product booths so we can be more spread out? when we are visiting manufacturer booths. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so you know we're doing everything we can to impact wider aisles um, wherever and whenever possible. In some cases, it's a little bit more difficult than others, which is why we're also considering one-way aisles as a, as a possible solution. But everything that we're doing, and I think this is the important thing that comes out of this, and I'm sure that, that Mark and, and Bob would, would agree, you know, there is one part science and then there's one part just you know kind of common sense and being thoughtful in how we approach these problems uh, everything we're going to do is, is going to be directed towards trying to eliminate those those uh, unnecessary gatherings or congestion points and and so at this point everything's on the table and, and again I get think goes back to the fact that KBiz is going to benefit from a number of shows before us, and even things that we're learning already coming out of the uh, auto show in China last week. You know, they they implemented a number of new things that uh, that we're keeping an eye on to see how how that might work for us. Next question: Will will there be any specific guidelines? Oops, sorry, specific guidelines for exhibitors as they are yeah. building, designing their booths, and building their booths. <laughs> So this is where there's still a little bit of the unknown. 
and you know, just we're, we're learning a lot as we go, but as these destinations open up uh, and business is open again, I think we're gonna get further clarification on any kind of changes that we might be required to look at. Now, that doesn't mean that, that exhibitors can't start taking an approach now to how they would wanna work those experiences. Um, and again, I think if you look at it just on a common sense approach, you know, where, where are you gonna have a, a, a singular point of entry, where are you gonna have a singular point of exit? And how do you turn this challenge into an opportunity to create a more unique and deeper experience with your customers? Um, you may not be able to have the volume that you had before, but we're actively looking at how can we give exhibitors tools uh, to, to manage scheduling so that you can, you can try to minimize the opportunity where you're gonna have large masses just show up. So there, there's a lot of this we're gonna have to do in partnership. Uh, and as we get more of that clarity, we're, we're certainly gonna be passing it along um, because we know many of our exhibitors are currently working to design spaces. But then again, I would imagine most of the major exhibit houses as well as Freeman you know, um, can, can also add some counsel in terms of how to rethink that experience without necessarily having to rebuild uh, a new display. Okay, question for Bob. How is Freeman addressing the issues of handling through the labor force? As an exhibitor, I'm, a, I'm concerned by the number of people touching my exhibits before a staff arrives. What is Freeman doing to address cleaning? Okay, so um, we are, again, working closely with the facility and we have also adopted the GVAC uh, certification standards. And we have very detailed uh, procedures as it relates to how materials are are handled and how our employees are handled. Um, and we, we are um, trying to learn a lot from our business in China. So obviously we have, we have operations all around the world. And so we've seen the business start back in China and we're watching all of the procedures and protocols that we're, that we're using uh, in APAC as we look at the US business uh, re-emerging. We're also looking at you know, how Disney is handling uh, the reopening of Disney in Shanghai. And so, um, we're going through the certification process with GVAC right now, and we'll be working with the, both the facility and Emerald to understand uh, exactly what requirements we may have around materials, and we'll publish those on freeman.com and then of course through, through Emerald. So um, uh, I don't know that I can give you specific uh, actions, but what I can tell you is that all of that is being reviewed and it's a pretty dense policy document. Okay, another question for Brian. Yeah. Brian, what other expos are you, or should we look at when it comes, comes to the adapted Cabus experience? And I believe what they're asking is what other shows are happening before Cabus mm -hmm. that people can keep an eye on? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of little events that are, are taking off. And, and again, it's all, a lot of this can be market-based. I think some, some venues are gonna open up quicker than, than others, and some of the restrictions will be different than others. Um, you know, virtually everywhere across the country has mass gatherings limited to about 10. So everyone's on a level playing field. But, you know, when, when I think about it, I think New York is going to be much harder to get up to speed uh, and, and will we'll lag destinations like Orlando and Las Vegas, for example. Um, you know, in terms of events I'm paying attention to, and this is just, uh, you know, a selfish little, uh, little thing from, from my vantage point, I'm paying a lot of attention to what we're trying to do around CD in September in Denver. Um, you know, I think we're, we're learning a lot uh, in the very early phases of how to approach these issues. 
you know, but then in advance of, of KBiz, you know, you've got CES is going to be a large event and, and, you know, all of the event organizers to keep in contact. You know, we've got a large uh, ASD event in Las Vegas scheduled for later on uh, this year. And then, you know, there's another one, Outdoor Retailer, which is another Emerald event that will take place in Denver. So, you know, we're, 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 we're learning from one another along the way. And the thing that I, I really uh, appreciate about the trade show community, it's a very tight-knit group. And we have a couple wonderful associations, one being SISO and the other one being IEEE. And both have, have really helped to create a platform where we can engage with our peers and work through these issues. And I can't stress enough, there are a, a, just a number of very, very bright people working hard and fast help create what that best practice is going to be. And uh, I have no doubt that working with partners like Orlando and Freeman that, that we're going to get there because you know, we're not, as, as people, we're not wired to be living or living in isolation. You know, these events mean so much and these shared experiences you have with your peers are so impactful. So it's our goal to make sure that we can create a safe environment where our communities can still do that because it's just an important way for, uh, for the market to, to set the tone for the year and, and frankly continue forward. Okay, Brian, you're popular today. A lot of the questions are still directed towards you. Did you say that it will be a badgeless show? How does that work for security as well as badge scanning on site? Yeah, so for anyone that's gone to a Live Nation event or, or you know, uh, concerts, football games, you have the opportunity to use your phone to download your, uh, your registration. And that registration can be housed in your Apple wallet or the equivalent on uh, an Android device. It has a simple QR code, has all the same basic information that a printed badge would have. And so you would show that as your credential to gain access to the floor, but also to let exhibitors scan so that they can send you information. Now, in the event that you don't have an Android phone or an Apple phone, or you're just not comfortable in that environment, we're going to make sure that you can print your badge in advance. Because again, it comes down to that touchless experience. I'm sure most of us would feel more comfortable um, given the news today to just print off your own badge and bring it with you than to stand in the line and try and get that. So it's all with a bias of trying to, to uh, eliminate as many touch points as possible to ensure the, the health and safety of, of our, uh, our guests. Okay, is everyone uh, good to stay around? There's lots of questions coming in. Uh, Bob, one for you. Uh, what is the first show that Freeman is targeting for opening? Um, well, we, we have shows as early as this summer. Um, we produce about 5,000 trade shows and about 28,000 events every year. And so there's, I'm not, I'm not sure I have the first show, but there's, there's shows scheduled uh, right around the corner. And I think Brian said it best. I think they're going to be uh, largely driven by local uh, or regional uh, decisions that are being made around safety and, and where we are with COVID-19. So um we have many, 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 many shows scheduled in uh, the summer time frame. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the trick is going to be just, again, making sure things are safe and making sure that we uh, feel comfortable and the organizer feels comfortable and uh, that we follow the CDC guidelines and we use the GBAC standards, which are all medically back. So I think it's... Um, I think, I think we're going to see things return. I, I, I will say just one thing that I think we are going to also see is that we are going to see um, 
probably shorter decision timeframes. People are going to make decisions a little more closely right now because of this environment. But um, I think there's a tremendous demand out in the market for events and people coming together. Uh, and I can tell you, I was on a, a CEO roundtable call yesterday, uh, and we had uh, Steve Mnuchin from the Treasury Department, we had Chuck Schumer, and we had uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi all speak on this call, on this panel. And there's a tremendous focus by the government to support travel and uh, trade shows and events and get people uh, back and connected again. So I think you're going to see uh, a lot of effort by the government to uh, continue to support us as we uh, get everyone back to work. Great. Brian, do the new do the new protocols impact how and when registration will open? You know, it, it isn't for CADIS, uh, but we did intentionally delay registration for uh, for Cedia, and and not out of a desire to not have registration, but personally, I felt it would have fallen on uh, it would it would have come across in poor taste to at the peak of the pandemic to say, hey, registration's open. So you know, we're we're making decisions again based on what we think is appropriate, uh, listening to stakeholders in the marketplace. And, um, you know, we're all having to just generally think differently about how we, we operate, but that's not exclusive to the event business. I think that all of the manufacturers and small businesses that are, are attending on this call are, have all had to rethink how they operate. And so it's on that premise. We're just trying to make good, informed decisions uh, and, and make sure that we're very transparent and upfront with our customers. Uh, and, and we want to be a resource. Hey Brian, can I just add one thing? I think it's for, for everyone on this call who is a is a, a marketer. I think it's a really critical time that you meet people where they're at, and that you don't come across as tone deaf to the decision Emerald made on CDS registration. Because, you know, I, I just posted a blog about you know kind of the commercials we're seeing on TV right now. You know, they're all starting to blur together. It's just really, really, really critical that as you're thinking about your presence in the market that you you just don't come across as tone deaf. And we recognize that different people are in different places at different times. So it's, it's a difficult time to be a marketer, but it's a really interesting time because if you're, if you're in touch, you will um, really help people and, and help them make good business decisions and you'll help your, your organization as well. Yeah. I think, Bob, that, that is a fantastic comment. I'm, I appreciate you bringing it up because, again, there's such a wide range of where people are today. And we nobody wants to be inconsiderate of any of that because even in our own selves as a business that we're responsible for, we have our own personal feelings about the grocery store right now. So uh, I know Paula Kennedy just made a comment on that in the, in the Q&A. I mean, it, the reality is we, we, we're being over respectful. Really, the point of this session today is, again, not to have all the answers but to show um, our community how much we care for them and how many smart people and smart organizations like Orange County, like Freeman, like Emerald that are working so hard on this. And, and again, it's not all about Cabus for you all. You have a lot of other things happening and we're just very, very um, blessed to have the benefit of working with partners like you that will learn and continue to grow over these next uh, nine months before Cabus happens. So uh, Leanne, we have time for any more uh, questions? Uh, yes, let's let's do uh, one more. Brian, again, um, have you considered a by appointment only blocked time frame concept set aside for exhibitors and those attendees who wish to maintain as much distance from the masses? 
Yeah, you know, we're, we're looking at everything. And, and, you know, one of the, the challenges we're all faced with is, is, you know, volume of people and how to go ahead and execute on it or execute on these things in a meaningful way. Um, I think we're going to have further guidance as we get direction from the local municipalities on, on what kind of restrictions we'll have and in turn how we need to further adapt our model. Uh, and then, you know, we've got internal groups at Emerald talking about these various issues uh, because there is not one size fits all. You know, uh, we very well may and, and, and at some point determine that the best path forward is, you know, schedule or, or registration by day. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're not opposed to anything at this point. What, again, we're really focused on doing is making common sense decisions that really have a strong bias for social distancing and the health and well-being of our guests. And so long as it does that, I'm confident that, uh, that we'll be able to produce safe events for these markets. And, and that's really been the focal point. So there, there's nothing is off the table at, at this point, and, and that's certainly something that we may explore. Great, great comments, Brian. Thank you. I, I want to thank all of our guests for their insights and sharing some behind the scenes planning for our very important Kitchen to Bath Industry show. Um, and because this is a fluid situation, I'm sure we'll reconnect uh, in the coming weeks for further updates. There'll be more questions. And while we, we still might not have all the answers, I'm confident that we have the top minds in the field working on safety and logistics. Again, we can't stress enough that the NKBA and its partners are making additional investments to support and enhance KBIS 2021. Thank you, Brian, Bob, and Mark. We're grateful for your insights and best wishes with your plans for events that are coming up later this year. Next week, we welcome back the team from our research partner, John Burns Real Estate Consulting to review first quarter results of the John Burns NKBA KBMI Kitchen and Bath Market Index. We'll talk about the NKBA Pulse that checks in weekly with our members and the research that is underway to revise our kitchen and bath market outlook. I hope everybody can join us again next week for that. Thanks again to our panelists and to all of you for making the time to join us today. Please follow NKBA and me on social media for the latest news and updates from the kitchen and bath industry. Everyone stay safe and well. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a great day. Thanks, Bill. Thank you.